Our second scripture reading a familiar story from the Gospel of Luke. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, 10 lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The word of the Lord. Amen. They must have been quite a sight. Ten men standing off at a distance, right on the edge of the village. Some old and some young. Some completely disfigured by their disease and others looking fairly normal with skin hidden under their clothing. Those ten men had little in common before their skin irritation. Biblical anthropologists suggest that they most likely suffered from a variety of infections and illnesses. But in that day and time, they were lumped together, unclean, dangerous, leprous. And until their skin cleared, they were forced to keep their distance. They were forced to warn others of their presence, to live as shadows on the edge of town. In their homes, in their village, in the Jewish law, in that culture, there was no space for a leper, no space for the unclean. Then Jesus came through the village, and somehow these ten got wind of his visit. Most likely a loved one, a heartbroken family member, actually broke the law and got close enough to clue them in. The miracle working rabbi named Jesus is going to pass by soon. So maybe, just maybe in his love and mercy, there will be space for those that society threw away. Maybe, just maybe in his power, there will be space for healing to take place. So they waited. And when Jesus and his followers came into sight, just on the edge of that village, the 10 unclean outcasts, careful to keep their distance, they began to shout and cry and beg for attention. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And because in the mercy of God, there is always space. And because Jesus is the mercy of God in the flesh, he simply yelled back at those men, go, go, don't waste any time. Show yourself to the priest 
Be deemed clean and whole again. Return to your families. Return to your lives. You're included again. You're a person again. Go. God has spared you and made space for you in this community once again. Go. Let it be so. And as they went, the gospel says, as they went, they became clean. The walking wounded became healthy, the outcasts restored, and 10 families got to throw a party that night. And I dare say even the grouchiest grump in that village had to smile, had to smile at the sight of their little community with space for 10 lost souls now found. Spacious, roomy, generous, Think with me a bit here because this morning I want to suggest that such words, such concepts describe the kingdom of God. Spacious, roomy, generous. You can't hear Jesus' parable of the prodigal or the lost sheep. You can't watch Jesus interact with outcasts and the forgotten. You can't read Jesus' words of challenge to the Pharisees, the guardians of religious purity, without being reminded of the spaciousness of the presence of God, of the generosity of the heart pierced by the mercy of God, of the roominess in the church when she's called by God. In fact, one lens for reading the gospel, the lens I want you to take with me this morning, is that God's love creates space. It does. Space for prodigals to come home. Space for families to be reunited. Space for forgiveness to be extended and received. Space for growth. Space for health. Space for all God's children to sit at table for no one to be left out. Yes, indeed, the kingdom of God is spacious, roomy, generous. As I read the Gospels, this is undeniable. This is true. This is impossible to miss. So, (laughs) that leads me to one really important question for us on this beautiful April morning. One thing that I want to ponder with you If God intends such radical spaciousness and inclusivity, roominess and generosity in our lives, in our church, and in this world, then why in heaven's name don't we see it? Why don't we experience it? Why don't we live it? Because friends, instead what I see is that we shut ourselves off from God. We shut ourselves off from one another. We do it over and over again, don't we? I also see us fill our calendars and our agendas, leaving little or no space for God to move and transform us. No space for those who might need us, and no space for the new thing that God might be calling forth from us. And the same is true of the church. The church continues to put boundaries and gates around the kingdom of God, doesn't it? 
continues to name who's in and who's out, who counts and who doesn't count. Yes, friends, the truth, the truth, we live as if there just isn't space enough, isn't room enough, money enough, love enough, energy enough. And you know what? God demands better of us. And God demands better of this church. Dear ones, there is another way to live. There is a way to enter into the spaciousness of God's love and mercy. There's a way to experience the power and healing of God and then to offer that space and that room to others. The healing of the 10 lepers in Luke's gospel, it doesn't end with 10 men rushing home to enjoy their freedom. It doesn't end with those parties being thrown for the healthy. No, this story of the healing of the 10 lepers ends with one leper turning back. While all 10 were clean, one of them does something extraordinary. He stops. He disobeys Jesus' instructions. He leaves the other nine and he comes back to Jesus. We don't know exactly what he said, but we know that he was praising God so loudly that Jesus heard him coming before he got there. And we know that when he got there, he did the one thing that his disease had precluded him from doing He came right into Jesus' personal space, fell right at Jesus' feet, maybe even touched Jesus' feet, and he thanked him. Over and over again, he thanks him. I believe that Jesus expresses delight in this man when he says, ah, there were 10, weren't there? This one, the foreigner, comes back to praise God. Jesus wants everyone watching And each of us hearing to understand that what is happening is good, it is of God, it is proper, and it is holy. Because Jesus knows that humility and gratitude have opened this man's heart and made space in his soul. Jesus knows that the kingdom of God has arrived in the life of this one kissing his feet, murmuring, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, there is room to spare in God's kingdom, but remember this. The way is cleared and space is made. The invitation is extended through humility and gratitude. People who have it all together, people who have all the answers, who always know best, People who can't or won't acknowledge the wounds they walk around with, such ones will not find partying in the kingdom pleasant or necessary. Churches that have it all together, churches that know exactly what God is up to, churches that feel really good about themselves and how they meet the needs of the wounded who are all out there somewhere in the community, such churches will never have enough resource or enough room for God's divine activity. But 
The person who knows really knows that she is walking wounded. The person who acknowledges a need greater than any resource he possesses, that one leaves the straitjacket of self-reliance and pride behind and can enter the joy of a relationship with one who meets every need, one who covers every wound. And in that relationship, there is room. There is space, space for a fresh start and space for healing. And the church, (laughs) the church that confesses her wounds, her powerlessness, before the head of the church, Jesus Christ, that church that can readily admit that she doesn't have it all figured out, that she is waiting upon a word from the Lord, that church that continues to be a messy celebration of the love of God, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, open to what God might be doing next, in that church, there will be room to spare. In that church, The kingdom of God will be evident in all of its glorious untidiness. Not long ago, I was reading a testimony from an AA sponsor, 18 years sober. She served for 15 years so far as a sponsor. She leads a busy life. She has a large family. She has a burgeoning career. And according to what she wrote, she never misses an AA meeting, and she has never turned down that phone call, which gave her an opportunity to sponsor a newer recovering alcoholic. How do you do it? She was asked. How do you find the time and the energy to keep all of that up, all of that family stuff and career stuff, and then the meetings, and then sponsoring all of those recovering alcoholics? And her answer was so simple. Well, she said, I am an alcoholic. AA saved my life. My sponsor saved my life. God saved my life. So when I remember who I really am, when I remember how much I've been given, I have no option but to make space in my life for this. In the wealthy, upscale Presbyterian church, I served as a first responder in North Carolina. I came to them after they had experienced a huge wound. All of their pastors, their session, and half of the members of the church left to form a new church down the road. And all of a sudden, they didn't feel so great about themselves. They weren't feeling so cocky or confident about their future. They were hurt. They were concerned about what was going to happen next. And for the first time in their short life as a large growing suburban congregation, they literally had to sit and wait upon the Lord. They had to sit and wait to see God's plan unfold. It humbled them and it changed them as a congregation forever. I had the privilege about two years later after they had called their new pastor and gotten themselves back in order, I had the privilege of being invited back to worship. It happened to be Senior Sunday, and in this church on Senior Sunday, the seniors graduating from high school actually preached the sermon. 
And one of the seniors stood up that Sunday and said to the congregation, you know, my high school years in this church were rough. I lost my youth director. I lost so many of my friends when the split happened. But the split, she said, also made us a better church. Before the split, we honestly thought we were all that, you know? But after the split, we remembered that Jesus Christ is all that. How's that for words of wisdom from a graduating senior? Spacious, roomy, generous. This is the picture of the kingdom of God that our Savior, Jesus Christ, paints. This is the truth of God's love and mercy. And this, my friends, is our calling to be people with space enough in our lives for God to move and work, to be families with space enough in the day and in the week to serve one another and those in need, and to be a church with space enough to welcome all, and even more importantly, to welcome God's new initiative, which is right around the corner. In the kingdom of God, there is space, my friends, space. So I pray. I pray that we might be people humbled by our needs, by our wounds and limits. And I pray that we might be people grateful for God's love poured out for us in Jesus Christ. So grateful that we simply cannot, will not close our hearts and souls to this great gift. In the kingdom of God, there is space. So I pray, I pray that Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church might be humbled enough to rely upon God, especially now. And I pray that we might be grateful enough to welcome every walking, wounded, prodigal son and daughter that comes our way. Join me in that prayer. Let us pray. God, your word comes to us again and again with the ancient but very contemporary message that in you and in your love and mercy, there is always space. And so we ask that you would take us that you would take our families, that you would take our church. And where we hold too tightly, that you would loosen our grip. Where we have closed off any avenue of grace, that you would burst it open. And most importantly, that you would humble us and make us grateful enough that we can be the people you call us and need us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.